Hello, and welcome to another episode of GDPR Now, a podcast dedicated to all things related to data privacy and data security, brought to you by Data Protection for Business, and this is DPO. Your host today is me, Karen Heaton, owner of Data Protection for Business, recording from my home office in Southwest London. Today, we depart from the coronavirus-related stories to bring you an update on the European Court of Justice landmark ruling on the adequacy of the Privacy Shield. And so across the airwaves, we are delighted to have Mark Sherwood Edwards, a fellow GDPR Now host, lawyer and data protection specialist. Mark has taken the time to read the judgment in detail and is going to talk to us today about what it means for data protection, for businesses and for DPOs. So we're splitting the podcast into two sections. In the first 15 minutes, Mark will explain in a nutshell what the decision was, together with some suggestions for what we should do next. For the second part of the podcast, we will go into more detail about the decision itself, what it was based on, and what we think might happen next in the world of data regulators, supervisory authorities, and their interaction with national security agencies. So Mark, welcome. It's great to have you back with us. Would you like to reintroduce yourself to the listeners, please? Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, Well, I hosted a number of these uh, shows back in the day. And yeah, it's good to be back. So my name is Mark Sherwood-Edwards from This Is DPO. If you check out my website, it's thisisdpo.co.uk. I'm going to be talking about SHREMS 2, which is the case that uh, Karen mentioned. One of those big landmark cases which comes out every couple of years. And it's sort of taken the data protection world by storm, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're both in southwest London, which is, as we know, is the epicentre of privacy and data protection of course uh, it throughout is. the world. <laughs> it certainly is today on this podcast. <laughs> so, Mark, can you give us your best summary of the decision itself, please? Okay, so I'm going to talk about this in, in kind of two and a half parts. Probably One, the decision in absolute simplest, just to remind everybody who's already heard it or just to update those who haven't had time to catch up with it. Then, And then, then this bit's quite important, why the European Court of Justice reached the decision, because that has implications for a lot of other things. And then thirdly, uh, what that means in practice for DPOs, for businesses and so on. Okay, so the kicking off with the decision itself, first decision is the privacy shield is no longer valid. So the privacy shield, which is effectively an adequacy decision between the European Union and the US with a, some kind of mechanism to make it work more effectively, is no longer valid. Second decision, standard contractual clauses, SECs, are still valid, but they have to be used in a slightly different way than they were before. Before, you could just never did just sign the SECs and you thought you were done and that's mm-hmm. not enough anymore the combination of the SECs plus the uh, underlying legal regime in the importer's country is what determines whether you've met the standard or not we'll come back to the standard a bit later okay so it's just not SECs on their own it's SECs taking into account what's happening in the importing country. And if you need to do more, if you need to add supplementary measures, you need to add supplementary measures. Okay, so just to remind everybody then that if you're sending data from the EU to somewhere like the US, you as the controller or processor are the exporter of that data and the recipient country in that sense is, is the receiver of that data. Yeah, it's the importer, recipient and importer, yeah. The, okay. Yeah. 
And then the third decision, the third thing, is that supervisory authorities uh, have an obligation. It's not, they don't have a discretion. They have an obligation to mm-hmm. suspend data transfers to any countries uh, where they feel the data is being transferred over in a situation where there is not equivalent protection. So if it's SECs on their own and they're not sufficient, then the, uh, the, the local supervisory authority has an obligation to stop that data transfer. It's a mandatory obligation. Once they've decided that there's a breach, they have to stop it. Okay, and I noticed that the ICO in the UK made a brief statement on their website in the last few days saying that they're going to provide additional guidance and they're going to work with UK businesses to help them through the ramifications of this judgment. Okay, well, for UK businesses, uh, I guess the good news is you're no longer part of the European Union, just about, so you don't really care. There's no direct impact on UK businesses. Mm-hmm. But the Privacy Shield could carry on fine between the UK and the US, and that's what might happen. Yeah, I was going to talk about it later, talk about it now, but the UK is seeking an adequacy decision from the European Union going forward, um, and it may be this will have an impact on that because... On that decision. The, yeah, the US and mm. the UK share quite a lot of uh, intelligence gathering data, and this is essentially what all this is about. So it's three points. Privacy should no longer valid. So SECs are valid, but supervisory authorities have a mandatory obligation to suspend any data chances in breach. And fourthly, what goes to SECs also goes to binding corporate rules, okay? BCRs, SECs. Okay. It's the same thing. It's not called out explicitly in mm-hmm. the Schrems 2 judgment, but it, it, the logic is so inevitable, you have to take that as read. And in fact, a lot of the commentators have thought that BCRs are not impacted, but that's not correct. Okay. I mean, BCRs, just to remind people, are, are binding comp- corporate rules are usually put in place by large global organisations. It's quite a complex mechanism that requires... Uh, authority and approval of those rules and regulations they've got in place within groups and between certain other groups. Yeah, correct. Right, so that is that enough on the decision? And then I'll go on to the why the decision was reached. So the, the reasoning behind why the decision is reached is quite important, but it's not particularly complicated. Mm-hmm. What, they, what the Court of Justice said, and it's all set out in... Chapter five of the GDPR, no one ever looks at chapter headings particularly, but it's the one that deals it's the one that deals with data transfers. And chapter five, and it's article forty-four, says, yeah, transfers are okay, but they must ensure, and I'm quoting from the end of Article 44, must ensure that the level of protection of natural persons guaranteed by this regulation is not undermined. Mm-hmm. So the level of protection is not undermined. So you're okay to export, but once it's left the territory, that's, that level of protection must be available to those data subjects who are in that, in that data that's been exported. And that's, that's a kind of fundamental part. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're doing BCRs, it doesn't matter if you're doing, uh, you're doing binding corporate rules, it doesn't matter if you're doing uh, standard contractual clauses, the end result is that the, the end result must be is that the uh, they have the same level of protection. Uh, now the data is in the imported country that to the same level as they had 
in the EU, okay? And it, it, there's this phrase that kicks around the judgments, very ugly phrase, essential equivalence, essentially equivalent. That means equivalent in all important parts, right? So do you think something has changed for this decision to be made? So for this particular stipulation of the same level of protection? No, I don't think anything's changed. I think it's it's a reflection of the way the legal mechanism works. Remember, a court, particularly a court like the European Court of Justice, which is an appeal court, which doesn't decide on facts, decides purely on law, does not have the authority to pursue things uh, itself. It can't go and explore stuff, right? People have to apply to it. People have to start a legal uh, action, and then it can form a view. Well, I come, if you hold that thought, I'll come back to it. Okay. And the problem in, the, in this instance was that the U.S. authorities treat uh, people very differently. And they basically divide that into two classes. On one hand, first class, there is uh, U.S. nationals and people residing in the U.S., and then there is uh, everybody else, to be blunt. So everybody else would be European residents residing or people residing in the EU, EU whose data gets exported. Now, the first group of people, US nationals and people residing in the US, get the full benefit of the law. But the people who are not uh, residing in the US don't get the full benefit of the law and, in fact, are subject to bulk collection by the US intelligence agencies. So when you ship over the export data uh, to the US and ends up with uh, Microsoft or Google or anybody else, they have the authority to go in, the intelligence agencies have authority to go in secretly, or don't tell anybody, they can tell tell Microsoft what the data about these people and Microsoft or whoever it is has to hand that data over and can't tell they can't tell you that your data has been handed over. That's one part of it. And the second part, that's the known as FISA, Foreign Intelligence Service Act. Mm-hmm. That comes under that. And then there's another one, which is Executive Order 1233, which allows, I think it's just the NSA, but who knows, to all the data arise by underwater cable and allows them to tap into the underwater cable and pull out whatever data they want. And that's the background. And what the and what the uh, ECJ has said is, well, yeah, we understand that countries have got national security obligations. We're happy with that. That's fine. That is not a carte blanche to do whatever you want. That's got to be circumscribed. It's got to be proportionate. And if you look, in fact, in uh, Article 23, yeah. uh, it allows, uh, uh, specifically for uh, national security agencies to pull up data, but put some limits around it. It's got to be necessary. It's got to be apportionate. You've got to be clear about how long you can hold the data, um, all that kind of stuff. But this, in the US, it doesn't apply. And the second thing is, for it to have to be equivalent, you've got to have rights you can enforce against the state authority. So in the UK, for example, or in, in France, if I thought my data was being taken by uh, the National Security Agency, I could go to court and challenge it. I might win, I might lose, but I could yeah. go to court. And in this particular instance, you can't do that in the States. Now, for the privacy shield stuff, 
which covers the, the Pfizer stuff, uh, there is an ombudsman put in place uh, by, the, by the USA, but the ombudsman uh, reports to the Secretary of State and therefore it's not independent and also has no sanctioning ability against the intelligence agencies, therefore has no real teeth. Okay, so it's not, it's not an enforceable right. So that is the essential thing that if you let, if you, if we're talking about equivalent regime, uh, you've got to be able to challenge, uh, and if you find out about it, but you could be able to go to court and say, well, I'm sorry, I don't believe the MI5 or the CIA or whoever it is has the right to do this. My date, my data, and you can't do that if you're an EU uh, resident, and, and that that essentially is the point. So, so you can't do that if you're an EU resident or any other resident that is or any other resident. Anyone, that you, the only people who can do that are people who are US nationals or people living in the US. So we come back to that first point. Is this suddenly new? Well, actually, it's kind of the point that's made in Schrems One in a slightly different guise, but it's there. Uh, this whole Schrems Two litigation uh, kicked off by a uh, was kicked off by another complaint by Max Schrems, and the Irish uh, Data Commissioner came to the same conclusion in 2016. Said, "Look, Strath, this is not compatible with the GDPR or the prevailing legislation." It went to the Irish uh, High Court, which said, "Yeah, we looked at it, and they took they had submissions from the American government from everybody." Uh, and they looked at it, they said, yeah, we agree, we don't think it's compatible with GDPR. Um, uh, it was been brought up in the European Data Protection Board regulations. They have said, uh, it's sorry, in the annual report or whatever it is, and maybe the Working Party 29 before that, said actually we've got doubts about whether uh, the Privacy Shield is compatible with this, uh, this legislation in the US. So actually, everyone's actually very surprised. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, you can see that actually these issues had been circulated a long time before and were, and were actually addressed in the Privacy Shield by the European Commission, who then said, actually, we think they've been sufficiently dealt with by our protective measures and the European Court of Justice. But they didn't go back to the ECJ at that point, did they, the European Commission? No, because the ECJ, remember, the ECJ can't do the stuff of its own volition. Someone has to raise the issue. But they chose not to re- raise it with the ECJ, I presume. Well, the commission, it, the commission wouldn't work. Would, the commission is the executive. Think of commission as executive. The ECJ as a legislative legislative function. You know, the someone has. It's the way these kind of st- things work. Someone has someone has challenged the government by going to court, and this is instance the commission is effectively the government, and Max Schrems challenged them by going to court, by going to court and said, "What you're doing." What you're allowing Facebook to do, because it's about the Facebook transfer, Facebook yeah. data from Ireland to the US, is not lawful. There must be other countries in the world where EU citizens don't have similar rights to go and find out what the security services of various national governments yeah absolutely so this will apply okay so this will apply to places like russia like china and so on but it's what's more let's so we talked about what the decision is why why uh vcj reached that decision Mm -hmm. it's now probably worth talking useful to talk about what that means in practice and that that point you're making will come out of that that this particular discussion so 
The first thing is, if you're in the UK, you don't have to do anything about it, at least just yet, okay? Because the UA, right, the UK, right or wrongly, is no longer in the European Union. If you are in the European Union and you are exporting data to somewhere else other than the US, then frankly, do do nothing is the best thing at the moment, right? Because this is absolutely huge, and no one knows quite what to do about it. Or where it's going to go, um, or what's going to mean? Where it's going to go? Okay. Now, what is clear is technically there's no moratorium. It's not like it's incoming legislation. You know, two years ahead, it's going to arrive. This, yeah. in theory, is binding now. Yeah. In practice, and hold that thought. I can't see the regulators being really hardline straight away because everyone's slightly state of shell shock as to what to do. <laughs> so what the ECJ says at the end of his judgment, so yeah, we've now cancelled the privacy shield. Uh, we've now uh, set new rules for SCC. Doesn't that leave a legal vacuum? And he says, no, it doesn't leave a legal vacuum. Because if you look at Article 49 of GDPR, it's got these derogations, these exceptions where you don't actually need adequate decision BCRs or SECs. Okay. Now, personally, I'm not convinced that that's going to work because they're so tightly circumscribed. Uh, if people are interested, there's a European Data Protection Board paper on Article 25 derogations. But historically, they've been very tightly, at least for EDPs, European EDPB's view is that it should be tightly construed. Where some, if suddenly they're going to change their mind, they oh, no, should be liberally construed, I'd be pretty surprised. But the the European Data Protection Board is supposed to be putting out some guidelines or actually some frequently asked questions, I understand, uh, pretty soon. So if you're one of those, uh, if you're um, exporting from the EU, say, country that's not the USA, I'll just wait and see for the time being. Explore Article 49 if you're interested in it. I'll wait and see what the rest of the world and the regulators are going to do. This yeah. is a time to. This is a time to hide in the herd. Um, <laughs> don't, don't don't panic. Hide in the herd. Put your head down. <laughs> yeah, keep your head down. Slightly different, of course, if you're in the EU and exporting yeah. to the US. Mm. Okay, and you're using the privacy shield. So, if you're one of those, I would put in place SECs between you and your importer in the US, and then again hide in the herd, wait and see. Just don't panic. Now, there's no way I can I can see that the that the data flow between the European and US is going to stop dead because no, it's just no. too huge, right? It's that would be yeah. so so damaging to everyone. So that's not going to happen. No one quite knows what is going to happen, but that certainly won't happen. But put in place SECs, and if you are the US company, you probably have to resign from the SEC uh, from the privacy issue, or there's some cancellation letter. Except. If you are getting data from the UK, you might want to hang around in there anyway. Yeah. Okay, so that's those. those. So they're unlikely to stop the data transfers and their tracks for obvious reasons. Um. But there's there's two other things to bear in mind, right? Uh, at least two other things to bear in mind. Uh, my understanding is some of the uh, local supervisor authorities have already said you can't transfer any more data to the US. I understand the Germans, so I'm going to check the Germans have said this very hard. Well, there's loads of data protection authorities in Germany because there's one for each province and then the federal, but at least some of them have been saying you can't have said you can't do any more transfers. Okay. Uh, if that's the correct case, I'm not sure what you quite do at this moment. The other thing to worry about is if you are actually in breach, so 
And if you are transferring data to the US at the moment under either an SEC or a privacy shield, you're, you're more than likely to be, you're more or less certainly in breach. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be sued by data subjects for compensation for any damages they suffered because you are technically in breach by allowing uh, that data transfer to continue. But obviously, they have to have some sort of some reason why they think their data may have been leaked and some evidence. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's necessary for it to have been leaked. Who knows? I mean, it's enough. That's a really good point, okay? But it's, it's, if you look at the latest Google, um, Lloyd Google action in the UK, uh, it was suggesting that you don't actually have to suffer any damage. The mere fact that your rights have been infringed gives right to a claim and compensation. Now, the UK has got more advanced class actions, more developed than the rest of Europe. Yes. So it might be harder to work in the rest of Europe. Yeah, we had uh, Kingsley Hayes came on and talked about that with us. Right, there you uh, go. Okay. Actions. And they just, it, that's still going through the courts, that one. Yeah, Lloyd yeah. Google. He's going to come and on that, and talk about it when it pops out the other side. Yeah, exactly. But the, the yeah, it's that a state of flux. That one, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a state of flux. But where it was heading at that point was you didn't have to show damage. You just had to have your rights infringed. Yeah. Now, whether your rights officially infringed, by the fact that the CIA may have copied your data or the CIA actually did copy your data, which you would never know anyway, is hard to tell. The real problem, okay, so this is, and this is still what means in practice, and this is why everyone's waiting and seeing, is previously we all thought you put the SECs in place or the BCRs in place and you're done. That's all you need to do. But European Court of Justice says no. You've got to, well, that might be okay, but the point is what you've got to do is reach an end state where the data subject has got equivalent protection in the importing country. Now, in some countries, just SECs may be sufficient. In other countries, you may have to adopt supplementary measures on top of the SECs. Now, that's an impossible burden, right, on, you know, any medium size company but also how hard would it be to influence national security organizations okay so there's 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 two exactly so there's two things one is you have to make an assessment right of what the i don't know let's say exporting to ecuador um if there's anybody from ecuador listening hello it's not picking you uh, in particular i like ecuador it's a great yeah, country i've been there it's great um, if the ecuador um, you make assessment of the data protection regime in Ecuador, right? Now, how can you do that if you're a small company or even a medium-sized company in, in France or Spain or, or Germany or Lithuania? You can do it. It's astonishingly expensive. And then if you conclude that actually, like the US, the problem is with the state agencies, well, actually, there's nothing you can do about it. So it's just, this, this is why, this, so everyone's kind of a bit lost because you can see exactly uh, the European Court of Justice's point, right? They're absolutely right. You can't, if you have equivalent protection, you can't ship it around to countries which just don't wear the state, the state, which has to be controlled just like any other player in, in society. And that's what having a rule of law means, where the state can do whatever they want. So it's, it's pretty, that's why everyone's kind of, bit, everyone's a bit at sea. But equally, I suppose if you look at it from the other point of view, it, depending how it plays out but as it stands at the moment 
large companies need to have offices in EU countries or other equivalent or adequate from an EU GDPR perspective um, so that that there isn't this big friction between what are the national actors doing um, with my data. Well, exactly. So what you could do is uh, rather than you could, let's say you're a big American company, you could say, uh, right, to avoid this problem, um, I'm going to have my data centre for European people. I have my data centre in Europe somewhere. Okay, It's not just the data centre. Well, okay, and that and that's where the problem yeah. starts, right? It's not just the data centre. The people accessing it, if you want to take a strict reading of GDPR, have to be in Europe. You can't have access from countries outside Europe. But even on top of that, if you're an American company with an office in the EU, what's to stop the the security uh, people coming and saying right. we want to see the the <laughs> the data? Exactly. Well. Exactly. So you have this very interesting situation where if the if you're an American company and you set up your data center in the in the European European Union, then that data is now sub, uh, subject to GDPR, yeah. right? It's being processed in the European Union, clearly subject to GDPR. So tick bear. Okay. There's a slight problem or major problems when you look at it, that actually the CIA can get access to it anyway. But in a sense, at that point. You, you've, you've given it equivalence, right? You, you, you might have had that problem with the German CIA if they've got one, you know, or the Lithuanian CIA if they've got one. But, you know, at least you're within the confines. Now, and, and this is an, there's an important thing that bear in mind, which, which is, you know, there's been various webinars about this recently, and a lot of people seem to get this wrong. People thought BCRs were covered by, affected by SHREMS to the clearly are. Another one seems to be that this is unfair on the US in that we haven't compared, you know, member state uh, legal provisions against uh, the US's and so on. Therefore, actually, maybe much more similar than appears. And that's worth bearing in mind that if you if you're a European company and you export and you import data to Europe, Americans. So let's say you're the reverse of Amazon, you're the reverse of Google. They just and you're European. Uh, as soon as that data is in Europe, it's subject to GDPR. Uh, the Europe, the American citizens have standing and can sue in the relevant member state have their rights protected. And if it was being accessed by uh, you know, French Secret Service, German Secret Service, Spanish Secret Service could go to court as Americans and still and, and have that have that challenge. Uh, that that is a fundamental difference. The other interesting thing is that the so the court the ECJ decision was referred uh, by the Irish High Court, and the Irish High Court said, "Well, are we supposed? To, what's the comparator for equivalence? Is it the GDPR or is it each individual?" member state law and the answer clearly is a gdpr because if it was you know that's the high that's what applies throughout the, the member uh, states. european union yeah it's, and if you weren't doing it piece by piece you'd be there forever but it, it comes back to the point i was saying before it is if people want to challenge the, the how member states behaves in terms of their data they're free to do so legally they can do that so if max schrems who's austrian wants to challenge how the Austrians handle his data. He can do that. He can do that. If somebody in Lithuania wants to do it, they can do it, right? Just start legal proceedings. So 
you know, that that is a difference. Whereas, you know, if you're a European, if you're a European resident, you don't have any locus standard. You have no standing in America. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. So big, big, fundamental big difference. So as you said previously, where does that leave businesses? So, you know, the UK companies not particularly affected necessarily at this point. As yet. May, it may ripple out and hit them. But not yet. I think if you if you're a business in the European Union, or actually a business, if your business in the European Union and your business anywhere in the world, frankly, including the US, you're in a wait and see mode. Except if you're a US company that's been using the Privacy Shield, you may you know it'd be sensible to sign up to the SECs because we know that they are valid at least in theory. Anyway, we know we can't fix the present problem about. Pfizer interference and you know access to the underwater cables by the CIA or whatever it is. We know we can't fix that. But at least you'd have something which, which, which at least prima facie, as I always like to say, it works. SECs and BCRs. Yeah, that's if you're an American company. That's if you're an American company. Anybody else? Just I think just wait. But, you know, don't panic. Uh, hide in the herd. Watch the news. You know, what your day protection use, it's going to iterate and something will come out. And frankly, the Americans will be the, the, the main thing is that the Americans hold most of the IT infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. That's why it's an issue. You know, there's not that much data flowing to other countries in the world, I suspect. Well, there wouldn't be as much as there is flowing into um, the US. But, I mean, I have seen quite a lot of uh, distribution of that data into the EU over the last few years. Quite a few companies we've spoken to um, have set up the data cent- their data centres here. Well, if you've got your data centre here, then it, it's subject to GDPR. Yeah. You know, and then we just have a problem that, you know, spies may be looking at it, but, you know, it, that's a kind of unofficial problem rather than an official problem, if I could put it that way. Yeah, that this is now thrown up. This is now an official problem, as you were saying. <laughs> okay. Well, that is absolutely fascinating and also a bit scary, <laughs> as these conversations often are. Yeah, Evan's uh, becoming a mini-expert on American uh, spy law. Of course, yeah. I'm not an expert on American spy law. We've gone from being experts on viruses to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the last time... The European Commission, you know, got together with the Americans and they came up with a solution. So, I mean, it feels to me like that will happen yeah. again. And this is part of a wider trade conversation. Yeah, I think it's, I think it, I think it's going to be tricky at this time to be blunt. I mean, you can read the ECJ judgment as a real uh, slap in the face of the Commission. Uh, what the ECJ is saying uh, to the Commission is, this is a standard you should have adopted, but you failed. Yeah. You know, it was quite clear you failed. You sold you sold EU citizens down the river. Uh, you said it was adequate. Clearly, it wasn't adequate. So, and it's, some of some of the some of the stuff might be fixable. For example, the well, there's a fundamental problem. 
in that the that the America there's um, uh, the Americans have got I think it's Article Four of the Constitution. Uh, American listeners will know this backwards or recorrect me mentally, which essentially is equivalent to you know to, to uh, right to enjoy a private life you know, in the mm-hmm. European Charter yeah. that kind of mm-hmm. thing, and that's been interpreted as applying only to U.S. nationals and only to uh, people non-nationals who reside in the U.S., which means that no one in, in if you don't fit in that category, you've got no locus standi in the U.S. and you can't bring any actions in the U.S. Which is, you know, the point is to have an enforceable data protection regime. That means you have to, you have to have, you have to have access to the courts to enforce your rights. If you can't have access to the courts, then how can you enforce your rights? Now, well, when those articles not, were written, there was, you know, there were hundreds of years well, ago. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And they, frankly, they, they didn't envisage, yeah. you know, vast quantities of data of nationals other than U.S. nationals. Uh, reside, being shipped into that country. No, I'm encouraged to reading of that particular uh, article of the Constitution. It, it doesn't explicitly say that at all either. It's just been interpreted as being that. And it's slightly, you know, it, it's been used in a number of, without going down this uh, tricky road, a number of foreign policy decisions by the US. So that's one issue. Then you, then you, but maybe the ombudsman that's about the privacy, privacy shield. Uh, could be strengthened. One of the, the European Court of Justice said one of the problems is he can be fired or she can be fired. So how can you be independent when you report into the Secretary of State uh, the person yeah. you're supposed to be yeah. regulating and the Secretary of State can fire you? Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like the DPO, right? So DPO can't be fired for maybe five other things, but not for bad DPO behaviour. So maybe if you could have that bit more regulated, yeah, uh, that would fix it. Then you've got the problem with the the executive order twelve triple three, which is uh, I think NSA has direct access to underwater cables, which is no review element there. Um, and maybe if everybody just encrypted it, that would be sufficiently difficult for the end to end. You know, that's been discussed, right? But you can't think with NSA really. I mean, they've got huge Cray computers. I know encryption is hard yeah. to crack, but who knows? Well, it's expensive, you know, to build hard-to-crack encryption. It's not cheap. Well, it's cheap. It's not, it's not yeah, exactly it's expensive. It slows down the processing time. And, you know, if you're going to be a purist, it, it's still personal data, encrypted, not encrypted, right? Mm. It doesn't change the nature of what's going on. So, but, but given what's going on in the U.S. at the moment, you know, they've got the um, elections coming up. I mean, how much time is there going to be well, available really, well, to, to make elections. these changes? They've got COVID, as we have all, in various forms. Good point. I honestly don't know. Everyone's looking for for a, everyone's looking for a sticking plaster that will just get us to where we have a bit more time. But that's a very familiar uh, regime for fixing things around here. Yeah. Get the sticking plasters out. Well, it's something to give us um, food for thought significantly, um, Mark. Thank you very much for going to the time to read all those and sharing your understanding of it with us. Um, I certainly feel more enlightened having listened to you than having read it myself. So I personally thank you very much. No pleasure. I think the next thing that people should watch out for, apart from, I mean, read your normal sources, whatever they are, is 
the European Data Protection Board is publishing uh, guidelines or weekly asked questions or something shortly, and that, yeah. that might be helpful. Maybe we can do a quick show on that as well, yeah. if you've got time. Thank you. That's excellent. Not sure. So, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this podcast. So, Mark, thank you again for taking the time to come on today and give us your thoughts and explain the background to this um, quite uh, groundbreaking decision. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to our readers apart from keep a lookout to your main information sto- sources? No, no, I think I've spilled all the beans I've got. <laughs> the beans have been spilled. Thank you. We've got Mark's contact details up in the show notes if you want to contact him directly and get some more specific advice. Um, so he's obviously qualified lawyer and he can help you through that. So suffice to say, that's it from me, Karen Heaton. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope to catch up with you again in our next episode. So until then, take care and stay safe.